episode three, Tools for Tools with Ninja and the Birdman. I'm Tom Ferguson with my partner, Hardy Merritt. How you doing today? Hey, Tom. I'm doing good, man. Uh, you just got back from bird camp. I did. I got back from bird camp up in uh, West Virginia. It was a freaking awesome time. And I, I really want to talk a little bit about that and the friends that I'm making in that community. But I kind of want to go back a little bit to talk about something we haven't talked much about here. And that's kind of the recovery of a breakdown that I had a while back. And what it kind of brings up is this something that was really important getting from where I was to where I am, and that's friendship. And here at Tools for Tools, we're trying to talk about what are the tools, and we really haven't covered that path yet. So today happens to be a very special day in my life, and to talk about friends, my life partner and best friend in my life is my wife, Gray. Today's our 25th wedding anniversary. And hey, congratulations, man. That's a huge achievement. We're at a really great place now that, as I, I thought a lot about it over the last couple of weeks, that we're better now than we were for the last 15 years. Because back in that first 10 years, it was just her and I, and then we had our daughter and other things distract, and I own my own businesses, and we just weren't nurturing each other that much. What do you attribute the uh, success and the progress of the last few years to? Well, the progress really didn't come over the last few years. It came recently, but I really want to put a lot of it on birding. But even before birding, I went to rehab. I've been in the rooms. I've had a bunch of therapists, each of them contributing a part of kind of recovering from this work burnout. But I also had friends that were really pivotal in this moment too. Really good friends who reacted different ways to different situations I had. You know, you know Seth really well, who is working, working out with us for years and him encouraging me to work out and work out together has been really great. Ken, my partner, someone who really went over and beyond to help me because he didn't judge me at all in some of my indiscretions and always kind of welcomed my friendship back. So he's a partner in, in he's a partner in Rise, yeah. Okay. Um, a huge, huge part. If I wrote a book tomorrow about everything that I've gone through, I'd have to dedicate it to him. I have a best friend in Texas, and when I went to my high school reunion, we had a party the night before, and I ditched him afterwards and disappeared for three days, kind of having a breakdown. And he was welcoming, but also kind of harsh, you know, but like he should be, like I would be if I, if he ditched me. Well, that's how you know he's a good friend, right? Yeah. He's keeping it real. Right. And you know, that one, we're, we're still tight, but we're working on that part of that, you know, selfishness that comes from me. And with birding, what it did is, because I think you know this too, when you start a business, the harder, farther you go up, the smaller your friendship your friend group gets because they all work for you or they're all attracted to what you do and it doesn't seem as real. Well, it, yeah, it can complicate things, right? The friend relationship and then the professional relationship is something that you have to juggle pretty carefully. If all your friends are in the same business you're in, you're kind of one dimensional. And if you're at the top of that food chart, it's just, it's hard to have that even relationship. So one of the things that you and I've had over the years, there was, I don't work for you. You don't work for me. Yeah. I'm paying you to train sometimes, but we that kind of put that on the side and we're able to have these real conversations when we drove. So you've been along this ride with me for 10 years in and out, but kind of known where I've been, but I haven't had, you know, I haven't had a hobby and the hobby was what was so big. It was like brought me into this world of all these different characters and people that I would never sit down on a table and have a two hour conversation with a 77 year old woman. But now I am and I'm in, you know, all, you know, listen to what they say. And the hobby that you're talking about is your foray into birding. Yeah. It's birding. It's, it could be a hobby for anybody. You know, my message right now is get a hobby. That's what I'm trying to tell the world because this therapeutic value is invaluable to me, you know, and 
part, a big part of why it was, was because of the friendships and the people teaching me and me showing them people can feed off my excitement and passion, which I have an abundance of, but I feed off of the knowledge that they're feeding me too. And then it just becomes different people from different areas with a common thing. We still want to see some birds, you know, that's the, the objective. And it's really simple. It doesn't have to do about making money. It doesn't have to do with anything. So seeing birds. No, I get it, man. So like when I was in rehab, I made a lot of friends there, almost like when you're in the army through boot camp, you're going through something together. And then even when I was in the rooms of NA, I made friends that helped me stay stable. I needed some stable time. And with Bertie and the friends that I'm making now, it's just another level of like kind of growing up, you know, to this level of something that's balanced throughout my life. Now, recently, like you said, I went to bird camp in West Virginia, about a four hour drive from here and driving up there. I'm like, this was kind of like to put everything together that I've been working on. It's basically the 150th day I spent up there of birding. So it's 150 On your drive up there, were you excited about being around the new folks or were you a little nervous about it? No, I wasn't nervous. I wanted to be impactful. I wanted them to... You know, there's a part of me, the ego part of me, which I try to struggle with, but I just want to be included. I wanted to not be, oh, here comes this guy who's just starting birding again. I want to be someone who's got a plan, you know, who wants to share something big. And that's like, find your hobby. I really want to do that. That's, I'm super passionate about that. So I did. When I walked in, I told them a story and they're like, boom, who the f*** is this guy? And I got really tight, especially with Jeff Gordon, not that Jeff Gordon, but this Jeff Gordon, yeah. But Jeff Gordon, president of the American Birding Association. Now, the American Bird Association to me is you have the Audubon Society, you have Cornell Labs that does eBird, and you have the American Birding Association. I gravitate towards that because it's concentrated on the birders and the birding. And I want to be a birder. You know, I want to be able to, I'm a birder too, guys. Now, do you still want to be a birder or do you see yourself as a birder at this point are you have you accepted this or, or in your mind are you still breaking into this you know hardy i think it's like anything else if you have someone come to the dojo and they push it really hard for three months and then you don't see them again are they a ninja <laughs> you know it's the same thing right now it's a wait and see i would imagine mm-hmm. cooks Point. are that way come in and do it for a while let me see yeah. like i don't learn people in the kitchen's name until they're there three months Show me that you're going to do it, that you're going to, this isn't just your hypermanic thing of the week. And so, yeah, I, I think I have to have sustainability to become accepted, but my passion and the drive and kind of who I am is something that's not seen that often in the world of birding. So who are your better friends, the birds or the people? You know, the birds are something that I can immediately say I love the birds. The people in it are the people I'm starting to nurture those relationships with to get to that point. So at bird camp, when I was there and I just talked about Jeff, we immediately found common ground. He runs a a big organization, nonprofit, American Birding Association. I run a biscuit empire. We... Neither one of us have parallel, what may I have partners like Ken who are good friends of mine, but for the most part, we don't have people who are friends that understand exactly what it's like to be in our positions. So we were able to talk about those things, but not be reliant on the other person for anything. And that's what friendships are. 
so Jeff came and stayed with me for four days after camp and I'm going to go up there after I get back from Costa Rica and visit with him and this is a relationship that I want to nurture and and be able to say I love Jeff like I love the birds right because I do love my friends and I think this is something that's developing do you think that it's a more about the relationship could you be into fishing could you be into camping could you be into remote control cars and still get the same satisfaction as you are from birding i think you can and that's why the message of find your hobby is so important and, and the message of birding isn't as important it's finding something else where you can develop those connections with other people where you don't feel so isolated and alone anymore and that's why i just want to punch that one home all the time especially here in this medium that we're using you'll find your hobby don't sit there and accept your world sucking go turn over every stone to make it better. I mean, that's what I'm the most proud of myself for. I turned over every freaking rock there was. Rehab, I'll try that. NA, I'll try that. Three therapists, I'll try that. Birding, I'll try that. You know, just don't give up. Just don't settle for your shit. You go out and make it better. Find your hobby. It's a good start. So it sounds to me like the difference between the therapist and the rehab and stuff like that with regards to you having so much success with birding has been the people. Yeah. The people are a gigantic part of it. You know, they, they teach me all the tricks. I mean, you're talking about someone who knew nothing. I, you know, I'm getting ready to start a bird club, D town bird club, August 13th, is our first meeting, getting people to be on the board or people who are instrumental in my, my growth. I want the club so I can get other like-minded people together to talk about these things, talk about something outside of work that drives you crazy all the time, you know, and going to that retreat was super important for me to start developing relationships serious on, okay, he's actually trying, I'm going to share more with him. And you do these retreats too. I imagine you feel the same way. You get people there with the same mission. And what kind of bonds are made there? Yeah, I mean, we while you were at bird camp, we were running a uh, retreat in the mountains that we call Tengu training. And Tengu was a little Japanese goblin um, that was supposedly the thing that taught the first people that were to be known as ninja how to be a ninja. So we go up into the mountains. We do... Um, a bunch of really weird stuff, a bunch of austerities. We do a lot of hiking. We do a lot of cold water immersion. We do a lot of martial arts training. We... Um, we call them Tengu Sumo matches where we have wrestling matches out on the side of the hill into the mud. And we've got a little dojo that we use up there. But well, what's more important there than being a ninja or bonding with other ninjas? That, that's tricky, man. I, I'm, I, I want to be that. I want to live that ninja ideal. And that um, is hard. There's so much discipline that's demanded to do that. I don't do it well if I don't have other people watching. So when we do these retreats, a lot of it is you know, I want to get these people up there and have a, a successful retreat for them. But really like I want them watching me so that I have to step up and perform, you know, when, when I'm doing a cold water immersion in a 50 degree mountain stream and I say that we're going to be in this one for three minutes and the next one for three minutes, like I, I wouldn't do it by myself. It's cold, man. It's, it's hard to do. But if I've got people watching and they're doing it, then I should do it. And I'm, I'm the leader. I'm the guys there. So I should, I should definitely be doing it. I should, I should, I shouldn't be shivering. I should look tough and it, yeah, it makes, it pushes me. Right. Especially as being the leader of the, of the thing. I'm not the leader in the retreat, but there's some people who, after we get back from burning for 12 hours, go out and burn some more. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have a beer right now. Or there'd be someone who sits on the bus, doesn't get out on the 10th stop. Cause they're like, I'm going to sit here for a minute. There's different levels of commitment. There's got to be different levels of commitment when you go up there too, I would imagine. But you have to lead. Yeah, I've got to be a leader. Um, and again, when I'm setting this up, we're going to go up and we're going to test ourselves all these different ways. 
I've got to make it look doable. I've got to make it look easy. Um, we've also got to make sure everybody stays safe. But the amazing thing is like watching the different individuals come through this and, and feeding off of that. We had in this last event, we had a lady who was a little bit older um, and quite unsure of herself and her ability to get down the river the way, where we were going and do the things that we were doing, but she crushed it. And watching um, this last thing, we had to go underneath this, this big waterfall and it's kind of scary. And again, we've been freezing ourselves, so nobody wants to do it. Um, everybody's beat up and tired and their shins are busted from climbing up and out of these creeks. And, and she's like shaking as she walks into it. And then when she gets in the water and does her thing, the, the sun bursts through the clouds and the rays of the sunlight are coming down through the waterfall. And she comes out and she's, she looks like a triumphant warrior just returning from battle. Right. And she cruises out of there the rest of the day. And I've seen her at the dojo five or six times since, and she's still carrying that strength and that success. And, I wouldn't interact with her on a regular basis just because, you know, she's a, um, she lives in another town. She's, she's got a family, her social circle wouldn't interact with mine except for the dojo. But I consider her like a a really close friend because of these shared experiences, which I'm sure you get on your retreats. Well, for you, it's a little different. You're leading the group. So the the Jeff leading the group when birds, like it's really important to find the birds. And getting that experience, what people came from, trying to maximize the experience that people were collectively there together for. Like when it was all over and the next day I was leaving a little bit later, he said, Hey, you want, you mind me just go birding tomorrow? There's a couple of birds you can picture of. I said, yeah, I would love to. Of course. So we went out, he's listening out the window. Here's a bird pulls out, says, we take a picture, sets it up in a perfect way. And then basically makes this bird go in a circle using some sounds and land on the stick for me to take the perfect picture. And you realize how far above someone like that is. But you also understand he's trying to maximize your experience while you're there. In a collective environment of birding, maximize the experience of the people to go just like you're trying to do with your retreats. It's an important thing. How did he... Is he the bird whisperer? How did he make a bird land and do that? It was using recordings, which is a fairly controversial subject right now, but really not as he explains it. And I think we'll touch on this more in other podcasts. Um, He's actually going to be the opening speaker for D-Town Bird Club, and he's going to talk about the ethics and like code of conduct for birding. And we're going to touch on this quite a bit then. Perfect. In, uh, in, in Buddhist practice, there's a thing called a triple refuge or a thing that you seek uh, support from. One is the Dharma, right? The law of, uh, of Buddhism, their, their codes of conduct and their beliefs. One is your instructor, your guide. And one is your Sangha. And your Sangha is your community. So you're, you're tasked with like, you know, I'm, I'm going to believe in this stuff. I'm going to listen to my teacher and I'm going to lean on my friends for support and motivation. One of the things when we're up in the um, mountains is we do these waterfall meditations and they are a practice to bring out your strongest innermost self. And uh, in Buddhism, there's a figure called Fudo Mio and he's this big like giant blue demon looking guy with bulldog fangs surrounded by uh, rings of fire and he's got a giant sword and a lasso and he represents like your strongest self and also your like most compassionate and powerful self. So he's like ruthlessly compassionate. If you had to save your family from a rabid raccoon that came into the cabin, right? You can't, 
you know, it sucks for the raccoon, but you can't let it hurt the family. So, you know, that that's going to require you to be that monster for good. So when we get into those waterfalls, we, we all kind of shout, come on at each other and try to get each other fired up. But come on is a short translation of a Sanskrit phrase of Kanman. And Kanman is the name of this Buddha. So the whole mantra is, uh, and people scream that nine times in the waterfall. And again, you can feel, you can see the waterfall like vibrate off of them. And, you know, when they come out, they're fired up and it's, it's, I can feel myself getting fired up. Right it get kind of fired up when I say it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love that stuff. You know, you being in charge of the one to get people fired up, it does bring it back to me of how nice it is to not have to be the one to get people fired up because I have to do it at work. Well, you know, the way the passion that you're bringing to the birding, you're just not going to be long before you're going to be. Right. There's some elements of that to it, I think. The biggest thing I'm going through personally in my head with friendships with this is I've had these friends that have had to kind of carry me for a little bit and now they don't. And now I'm birding and now I'm kind of pulling away naturally doing the birding, but I love these guys and I'm trying to redevelop those relationships. It's really important to me. I think in the past, maybe I didn't do a good job of that, making sure that that I was connected with these people who are very important to me in a very meaningful way. We constantly evolve, right? Like if, if you evolve, you're a, you're a new person since birdings happened. I can attest to that. I haven't known you for a decade. Like the Tom I'm looking at now is a completely different Tom. First rule of bird club is talk about bird club. Second rule of bird club is you talk about bird club. So D-Town Bird Club is starting up on August 13th here in Durham. We're doing it at a WeWorks. Um, I'm a new member there with my whole hypermanic Birdman thing. What I'm trying to do with this club, it's really nice from what I understand to be able to start with a clean slate in a bird club because most bird clubs are 1,500 years old. So we kind of get a break into the new world. And we really want to try to connect people through the club, not just be about the birds, but to be about people who are birding and therapeutic value and connecting people. So they they're talking to people who are 20 years older than them or 20 years younger than them, or someone who's a church person is talking to a guy with tattoos down his arm, just getting these different groups together. I'm really, really excited about it. It's tentative on location. I don't have it officially booked, but the date is the 13th and Jeff Gordon from the American Birding Association is going to be our first speaker. So I'm really excited about that too. I'm a bird watcher. I'm a bird watcher, watching birds go by, fly, fly, fly. I'm a bird watcher, I'm a bird watcher, there goes one now. So today's bird of the day is a cerulean warbler. Now, when I was in West Virginia, one day I decided, you know, I'm going to leave my camera back and I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to look with my binoculars. I'm going to bring my scope and I'm going to learn how to scope in the woods like these other guys were. Well, the first bird I got on was a cerulean warbler, which is like the big prize while we were out there. And it was, we found a nest and we scoped. My first scope in the woods is on a nest of a cerulean warbler, which is a grand slam. That's an awesome first bird to get in a scope. Was that a rare Pokemon for you? Yeah, and they primarily um, nest in West Virginia. It's where the, most of them are at. And it's this really pretty blue bird. And this is kind of cool, man. It was just, that's what makes it the bird of the day for me. My first scout bird, kind of rare. You don't see it that often and you don't see it in a nest at all. Nice job. So we were talking today a lot about our Tengu training retreats, which happened up in the mountains and talking about your bird camp that happened up in the, the, you know, the wild part of West Virginia. And it just seems like we commonly come back to getting out in nature, getting out in the woods with people, with, by ourselves, 
Uh, and that leads me to today's moment of inspiration. If you're feeling down and out, here's a inspiration. If you go off into a far, far forest and get very quiet, you'll come to understand that you're connected with everything. And that quote is from Alan Watts, who is an early American sort of Buddhist um, uh, person that brought to light some of these Eastern thoughts into uh, popular context. And I, I believe that we are all connected with nature and with each other. We're all one. If we're connected to a universal consciousness, call it whatever you want, and we're made in the image of the divine, then we're all the same. We all share the consciousness. The person that you're looking at is just you how you would turn out given the situation and context of that person experience. I believe we would all do well to have a little compassion and understanding because ultimately it's compassion and understanding for ourselves. Everybody love everybody. Speed that up. Cerulean. 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 Cerul